You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Episode 70. This Man, is take, take two. two. <laughs> but you are getting better at that. Yeah, I, we had pressed record and then it stopped. So this is take two. But I was saying that uh, I start doing that intro. This is the North Peace Roundtable. And as I'm starting it, I'm like, yeah, I'm in my brain as I'm speaking, trying to remember. Your weekly podcast for what yeah, again? <laughs> yeah, what are we? What are we doing this for, anyways? <laughs> but thanks for tuning in. This is the North Peace Roundtable podcast, episode seventy. And before we start, I did want to give one little like um, housekeeping thing because I had a few people ask housekeeping. me um, on the on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It only goes back to episode forty, and so I like looked into it a little bit. And it's an issue with our website server, which I'm trying to sort oh. out. Because I emailed our website people, and they're like, yeah, for some reason, blah, 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 blah. And we're trying to figure it out. So hmm. uh, if you are listening and you're like, oh, I want to go back and listen to previous yeah. episodes, uh, hopefully we'll be able to... So they, are they on Spotify or anything like that? They're then? on both both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Stop. At 40. At, well, yeah. You can't go back to 39, 38. Oh, that's so strange. Right? But in... in in the meantime, before we figure it out, you can just go to the website, npmbchurch.com, click on the podcast, and then they're all there, and you can just listen to it hmm. through that in the meantime. But yeah, I was trying to... I'm not very tech Modern problems stuff. require modern solutions. Yeah, so I just emailed our website provider, and it was like, yeah, we know, we're trying to figure it out. So there you go. Uh, I'm assuming that everyone listens to previous episodes like two, three, four times, right? Super yeah. fans? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't see why not. So today, uh, my name's Andrew, and with me as always is Corlin. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Hello, everybody. <laughs> no, uh, Cameron's not here today. Who did that sound like? <laughs> <laughs> I told not- Corlin, I'm like, I'll just try and do Cam's voice. Hey, everybody. Uh, but that, I... No, yeah. you sound like you're from Sesame Street or um, something. I, I can do Fozzie, but he doesn't sound like Fozzie. But anyways, Cameron's not here with us, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna record anyways. So today we want to talk about all things end times, eschatology. Yeah, the theological word for that is eschatology, the study of the end times, last things. Basically, uh, today we want to just solve everything here's how the world's gonna end here's the order of things you'll hear it here first (laughs) so um this is a really uh often a a brought up topic because people okay i'll get one of two things people are either obsessed with the end times yeah and i gotta know how it ends and yeah and you know it's funny russia and ukraine start a war and people are going oh man okay so is russia the blah, blah, blah. and how does this fit into the blah, or blah, covid blah. comes and people COVID are like comes, oh what, what's the what mark of this? the beast and then who's the antichrist and blah, 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 trying to figure it out or the exact opposite i know people who are like i could care less i don't even want to talk about it yeah. because it's too confusing uh, I've never read the book of Revelation because it's just frightening and I don't know how to, it's just confusing. Fair enough. So I think I think lots of times people fall into one of those two camps. I'm over-obsessed and every single thing that happens, I'm trying to put it into the puzzle piece of, yeah. this is the sixth trumpet, blah, 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 or whatever. Yeah. Or it's like head in the sand, I could care less, I don't want to talk about it. I feel like I'm a weird balance of both of those. I so, was going to say, what? where would you land so, on that? Interestingly enough, I've never actually read through the whole book of Revelation. However, I've done a fair amount of research about the book of Revelation. The reason I the reason I'm trying to cuz I was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, man, like who am I to talk about this? I haven't even read it. There there is <laughs> Well, you heard it here, folks, <laughs> right? There's something I think and I'm not I'm not saying that it was a good decision per se, but I think there is something to say that because the book of Revelation is a book of like it's apocalyptic rit- literature, so it's it's a vision that John had. I think there's a benefit to learning the context that John was in, trying yeah. to figure out some of the signs and stuff so that when you get immersed into it and you start reading it, then you're not like thrown for a loop and like what in the world is going on in this book. So Yeah, totally. I think that's kind of, that yeah. I have a general idea of what's going on. I kind of know where some of the points are that people point to for their eschatological views. Is that correct? I don't Esca- know. Eschatological. Their end time eschatological. 
eschatological. It's like scatting. Scooby bop. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> my my uh, history with this Revelation is one of my favorite books of the Bible, actually. <laughs> uh, more recently, because I think we have read it or we've tried to apply it incorrectly in my opinion. Uh, and that's this one guy's opinion. Yep, right? Yeah. And it does, it's not meant to be, uh, it's not a crystal ball to discern the future. Hmm. It's a, it's John, um, sitting down as a pastor and writing to seven real churches yeah. to encourage them in their discipleship with Jesus. So so, you, so would you say though that he did have a vision? Oh, oh yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh right. yeah. So um and we'll get into that in a minute. So my 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 kind of history with it is I I did take a a class in seminary on the book of Revelation and it was interesting. Um but it wasn't until probably the last couple of years picking up a few books cuz mm. I was just kind of like there's got to be like a simple way to read this that doesn't make us sound like lunatics yeah. and is not left behind. And there, <laughs> there has to be a different way to read this book. And so I'm going to reference a book a couple times, but there's a book called Kingdom Come by Sam Storms. Fantastic book. And that is what kind of changed my mind on like, oh, the book of Revelation doesn't have to be a scary book to study. It doesn't have to be overly confusing and like yeah. just like you throw your hands up going, well, forget it. No one yeah. will ever know. And then, um, then I, I we actually taught through it. Was that last year or the year before? I think it may have been the first year of COVID. So yeah, I think the it's first almost two years year of ago, COVID. Probably. On Wednesday nights, we took. I think it was three or uh, no, it would have been four or five months every Wednesday, and we just kind of online taught through the Book of Revelation, and that was super helpful for me. So, um, what we want to do today is we're gonna like scratch the surface. Yeah, because we could, you could spend hours upon hours upon hours, and we 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 could, we could go through every chapter of Revelation. You could go back to Daniel and try and connect, yep. and yep. Matthew twenty four and twenty five, and try. Yep. And, but what we want to do is just present kind of the three big main views of how you approach the end times, and give. Okay, here's like a very brief overview of what they believe. Yeah, here's maybe some benefits of that view. And then here's some critiques of that view. Um, and so I would encourage you, if you want more, like then you can go watch, go on our website or and watch, uh, or on YouTube, our Revelation series. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll say too, this is something that often people get, like, like you were saying, they're either really passionate or they just don't care. For the people that are really passionate about this, this should never be something that causes you as a, another believer to quarrel with another believer. Sure, yeah. Because the truth of the matter is we don't know exactly when Christ is returning. Yeah. No matter which view you hold, you well, do not know, I know when. So. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, your goal is the same, is to, to preach Christ crucified until he yeah. returns, and that Edenic state that was that Whoa. is promised is going to be realized, right? Yeah. Until that point, preach the gospel, and that's that's our goal as Christians. So this this shouldn't be something that divides us. However, it reminds me of our off the record that we did with Cameron. I think it was last week or the week before, something like that. Yeah, it's not a hill to die in. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not a salvation point. Yeah. But I don't say that to say. Let's skirt around it. Talk about it because yeah. it is important. Yeah, but it's so, just not. So eschatology is something that you kind of hold with an open hand. I think. Yeah. Because, yeah, I I have a view, and I'll we'll as we go through, we'll lay our cards on the table of where we land. But I have a view that I think is right, and I think it's the correct way. Yeah. But that doesn't mean if if someone says mm, I believe in uh, the rapture and a literal beast and a literal mark. Okay. Do you think you'd be open to change your mind if someone presented good? Yeah, then that's that's kind of where I landed, where I've landed. It's because I studied all three of these major views that we're going to talk about, and I saw that this one view for me uh, made most clear sense of the scriptures, and I said, I think that's the view that is actually being hmm. laid out in scripture. But again, I told someone like... Uh, you know, when we get to heaven, uh, I'm not going to go, ah, dang it. I was wrong about the rapture. It's like, I don't think we'll care. 
Yeah. And I told someone too. So, well, I, well, I'm jumping ahead. I don't think there is a rapture, but I was telling this, talking to someone who does believe in the rapture, and I said, you know what? If I'm raptured and I'm wrong, I'm not going to be disappointed. Yeah. Oh, yep. I'm with Jesus. I didn't want to be raptured. I'm like, if I'm wrong, great. I don't think I'm wrong, but okay. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. So, um, here we go. So there's three again. If you've studied, there's lots of like little nuances. Yep. For it's how, almost like there's little denominations within these three views. Yeah, sure. But there's three main views of how we interpret the book of Revelation, and they're all kind of based on Revelation chapter 20 and the description of the millennium, the thousand year reign, the thousand year reign. So maybe I'll just read that section because that's yeah, kind that's of good. that's what, a good place to what start. We, we what what we base our whole interpretation on, yeah. which is interesting. So Revelation 20 says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such. The second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and come out and deceive the nations and blah, 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 basically. So um, you you can see a few times this idea of a thousand years uh, is mentioned. And so the three main views are kind of based on millennium. A millennium is a thousand years. Yeah, they're based on that passage is kind of where they build their eschatology. Yeah, so you have three kind of main views. You have post-millennialism, which if you're smart, you can go, okay, post means after. Yeah. After millennium, so post-millennialism. You have awe-millennialism, which, it and it, uh, we'll get there because it bothers me because people are like, see, they don't believe in a millennium, which is not true. Yeah. But that's what awe Millennial yeah. means like yeah. no millennium. So all millennialism. And then you have pre-millennialism, which, you know, before yep. the millennium. So you have those kind of three three big camps, post-millennial, all-millennial. Something that I find really, really interesting about this, it's maybe just a really trivial detail, but every single one of these beliefs is based around the millennium, but all of them believe that the millennium is just like a... a it's obviously not a thousand years specifically. Oh, it depends though. Oh, really? There are some. Yep. Oh, wow. Well, they're strange. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we branch off into all sorts of... Yeah. Because you talk about pre-millennialism, which, then you have, okay, well, is it historic premillennialism? Is it dispensational premillennialism? Is it pre-trib yeah. Millennial, premillennialism. Is it mid-trip? So you can break off. So what we want to focus on is, okay, there's three kind of main camps. Yeah. We're not going to spend time going down every rabbit trail because we would be here forever. Yep. So you got post-millennial, ah-millennial, pre-millennial. So we'll, we'll go in, in um, we'll look at each one, but essentially post-millennial is the thousand-year reign happens before Jesus comes back. Pre-millennial is the thousand-year reign happens after Christ after returns. Christ returns, and uh, so Christ returns after the millennium, and then all millennial is the thousand-year reign is happening right now. It's a spiritual reign. Yep. That's kind of the so. Which one do you want to talk about first? Oh boy, <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's go for post-millennial. Okay. So, what do you want to? I to be honest, I don't even know where to start. With post-millennial, to, in, in my, like you said, we're going to put our cards on the table. In my opinion, I think this is the weakest view. Um, if you hold it, that's not a defense against you. That's just from what I can see with the studying of Revelation that I have done. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest weak point in post-millennial views for me is that 
they would believe that we are going to Christianize the entire globe. Uh, yep. Um, I now it's it's interesting because they'll go back to passages like in Matthew where the Great Commission is given, and it's go make yep. disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they'll take passages like that and say, "See, that is our marching order." So until we complete that, then Christ won't return, right? Yes. And I. It's interesting because I can see where they're getting at with the point like that. Because mm-hmm. our goal should be to tell everyone and every nation and every tribe about Jesus. And yet, I don't know. Have you ever shared the gospel and someone said no? Like, uh, yep. What What happens? Do we just wait until literally all the naysayers die off? Like, it. Yeah. It to me, it just doesn't. Legitimately speaking, practically, it doesn't make sense. If if this is supposed to be a practical view of the end times, practically, it doesn't make sense because of the way humanity works. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest weak point for me. Yeah. I think some of the strong points are that they take it very seriously then to go and spread the gospel sure. and to make sure people know the will of God, right? Yeah. In the sense of what their will, the will of God for people's lives in the sense of being saved and, and turning to him. Yeah. So I don't know. Where yeah, do you, so where I want to read go? a little quote here because it helps. This guy is a post-millennial scholar. Um or sorry, this woman, my bad, I just read the last name, Lorraine Boatner, and then there's a more contemporary contemporary guy, Kenneth Gentry. So this is what Lorraine Boatner says. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just thought, let's hear from an actual post-millennialist. Yes, so that it's not that's like, a good idea. Oh, you're just, you're just cari- yep. caricaturizing them? So this is what she says. It's that view of the last things which, which holds that the kingdom of God is now being extended in the world through the preaching of the gospel and the saving work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of individuals, that the world eventually is to be Christianized, and that the return of Christ is to occur at the close of a long period of righteousness and peace commonly called the millennium. Um, it should also be added that on post-millennial principles, the second coming of Christ will be followed immediately by the general resurrection, the general judgment, and the introduction of heaven and hell in their fullness. And then this guy, Kenneth Gentry, says, post-millennialism expects the proclaiming of the spirit-blessed gospel of Jesus Christ to win the vast majority of human beings to salvation in the present age. Increasing gospel success will gradually gradually produce a time in history which we identify with the millennium prior to Christ's return in, in which faith, righteousness, peace, prosperity will prevail in the affairs of people and the nations. After that, the Lord will return visibly, bodily, and in great glory, ending history with the resurrection and the judgment of all humankind. So basically, to sum, to summarize that, it's like, I just want to be super clear because I know it's so confusing a lot of times. Yeah. So post-millennialism thinks... Okay, the Great Commission, Christians are going to go and proclaim the gospel. The Spirit is going to cause the gospel to advance around the globe, and more and more and more and more people are going to believe in Jesus, and that will lead to like this this golden age, essentially, where righteousness and peace reigns. And again, some people think it's a literal thousand years. Some people think it's a metaphorical thousand years. That doesn't really matter. But after that golden age, it... Mm -hmm. I've heard someone who is a post-millennial say it's like it's like we're preparing the earth for Jesus to come back. Yeah. And he comes back to this kind of golden Yeah. Age. So, so a passage that they would use to to try and promote that is in Ephesians five or six. I can't remember where it, where Paul talks about the bride. The bride being, being prepared made, and yeah. made holy and spotless without Yeah, that's Ephesians five. Yeah. So that's where they would grab that and say, Hey, the yeah. the church is like the bride. Yeah, and Paul I've is heard, comparing that. Yeah, so. And I've heard a a preacher say like you know, you, we're not going to present a blemished bride to Jesus. Yeah. Like the the church, the bride has to be made perfect and then Jesus yeah. comes back. And then it's important to note that it's like Jesus comes back and then it's like uh, if in a post-millennial view, then the judgment resurrection, happens. judgment, heaven and hell, yeah. eternity. Yeah. So I agree with you that on one hand, like a, a potential positive of this view is that you take the Great Commission very seriously, seriously which okay. is good. Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, we're going to go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah, and it's a very um, optimistic view. Yeah, and and even to to 
like you said, we wanted to promote strong points. Think of how far the gospel has been spread in the world yeah. since Jesus ascended yeah. into heaven, right? Yeah. Think of how much it has. So, like, there are some things where, you know, like, okay. when you look at the view, it's like, okay, yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from with some of that, right? Now, here's the, the problem. Um, reality. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But uh, here's the problem. And, and I'll tell you how post-millennialists often explain away hmm. those parts of scriptures. If you read scripture, we are promised that it's going to get worse and worse and worse until Jesus returns. So you look at passages that talk about, okay, the world's going to hate you. You read Revelation that talks about suffering, pain, persecution, trial. And so then to say, no, we're just going to Christianize the whole world and it'll lead to a time of righteousness and peace. It's like the scriptures itself say the opposite and then here's how it's often explained away. Those have already been fulfilled. And mm-hmm. so and it so we're gonna talk about a term called preterism, which again, sorry, I'm trying to keep it all straight, but there's varying degrees of preterism. I actually uh, haven't even heard that. So term preterism before. is the idea that like those kind of passages, you know, uh, where Jesus talks about um, Oh man, I'm trying to flip without knocking the microphone. In uh, you know, the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 25. Okay. Uh, 24 and 25, where it talks about, you know, no one knows the hour and the sun will be darkened and blah, 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 all these things. They would say, fully already been fulfilled in Hmm. the destruction of Jerusalem. So that's not even in play anymore. It's done. And then they would read things in the book of Revelation about... uh, the the kind of the disastrous things that happen when the trumpets are blasted and the yep. bowls are pulled out poured out and they go they look back at history and go already been fulfilled that's not even in play anymore hmm. so there's a problem there because then what it's very convenient to say these passages that conflict with our uh, view of the end times well there's, they, they don't conflict they, they don't they've already been fulfilled they're yeah. already fully fulfilled and hmm. I go. You, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Because one, there could be some truth. See, prophecy can can have more than one yep. fulfilling, right? Yep. We, we've, we've done an episode on the day of the Lord. Yep. There is a final capital D day of the Lord. Yep. But there's been many days of the Lord. Yes. So to read a, a prophecy in the Old Testament and go, oh, it's already been fulfilled by Babylon, and there's no other fulfillment of that, I go... Yeah. yeah, how can you say that? You can't say that. <laughs> yeah, so it's assuming a lot. It is assuming a lot, and then what you're doing is, uh, in my opinion, is then you're just explaining away difficult passages and going, "Well, those aren't in play anymore, so yeah. the world's just going to get better and better and better." And I go, Eesh. I think another point uh, that I would like to to bring into play on that thought line of thought is that mm-hmm. if you look through through the rest of Scripture. And the way the biblical authors think about history and the way they think about even the language around like Babylon or Egypt or or even throwing Nineveh in there, um, the world consistently, humanity consistently chooses to do what they think is good, not what God thinks is good. Yeah. And that consistently builds up civilizations that unrightfully prosper, right? Yeah. And then eventually they crumble because of their own sin. Yes. Right? Yeah. And and that's part of God's judgment on them is that they, they never actually continue to yeah. to prosper, right? Um so to me to see a golden age, I I just don't see any other places in the Bible where that except for when Christ returns, yeah. I don't see that being played out because of the human condition until Christ returns. Yeah. Unless you are a believer, right? So now, yes, the the ideally the places on earth where we have bodies of believer, they should be more like the new heaven and new earth. I, I use that specifically in the context of this view, right? Where it should be better, it should be more righteous and and prosperous and stuff. Yeah. And yet we also see brokenness within the church. So like, yeah. I, I heard one guy say like, I don't know, it might take another three thousand years. It might take another X amount of years. And and so to me, I don't know. If I look back at the Christians in in the early church and how fickle they were and sinful they were and yeah. how much they needed Jesus, and I look today as someone who's 
I haven't even been in, in like full-time ministry like this for long. The church is still a messed up place, uh-huh. right? It's only by the grace of God that we have faith. So to me, it just doesn't make sense to say humanity will keep getting better. Um, yeah, Cause we I, just don't see that portrayed biblically yeah. anywhere. And I can, I can see that there, there are some parts of the, the idea of like, well, that passage has been fulfilled. I agree to a certain extent. I think large mm. amounts of Matthew 24 uh, was fulfilled in the destruction of yep. Jerusalem in 70 AD, but that doesn't mean that all of it was or that it can't have a double kind of meaning. Yep. You know what I mean? So yeah, when, when Jesus describes all these terrible things and then you read the, the account of the destruction of Jerusalem, you go, yeah, yeah, Jesus is talking about this, yep. but that doesn't mean that he's also not talking about future, right? Yep. The other issue I have with post-millennialism is that it can, and I'm being careful, it doesn't always, but it can lead to a very militaristic mm. divide and conquer, we will Christianize the planet. Yeah. And what I, I think what we're seeing uh, in the States right now is a reaction to that by some pastors. Mm. And it's like, however well the U.S. is doing, we just equate that to that's how well Christianity is doing. Hmm. So Donald Trump for four years, regardless of what you think of him, he kind of brought in some more conservative ideas. Yeah, And I know because I listened to several pastors who thought this is a win for the kingdom of God. And I'm going, you're equating the kingdom of God to the U.S. of A. with the United States. And because more conservative, hey, we got to... We got a conservative judge in the Supreme Court. That's a win for the kingdom. I'm like, well, it's a win for conservatism. Yeah. But that's my issue with postmillennialism is that like, hey, we've got a conservative president. Hey, we've got a conservative yeah. house of blah, blah, blah. That's the kingdom of God advancing. And yeah. it's like, well, no, are people it's, repenting? Yeah. That's the kingdom. So that's my, hmm. my big issue is that it almost leads to this kind of like... Or that it can lead to. It can lead to, if we can just Christianize and sanitize everybody, we're winning. And I'm like, people are, are still living yeah. in sin. That doesn't... And and it's interesting, too, because as a like we should want to have followers of Christ in leadership, because ultimately, mm-hmm. a lot of the mm-hmm. issues we see in the world are because people don't follow yes. Christ, right? So, it, yeah, it's one of those things where there's kind of... Like, even for me, there is a bit of back and forth where it's like, yeah, I see what you're saying. I get it. I... Like, for lack of a better term, I like that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't see it happening. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's post-millennialism what? in like, I don't know, do you, have any, do you have anything else to say? Nope. And I know that some of you, if you're listening and you are a post-millennial, you might be going like, no, there's this. And I'm, I get that. We're trying very quickly, like in an hour and a bit to cover all three. Yeah. But just to summarize, post-millennials would believe that through the preaching of the gospel, more and more people become saved and and it leads to this golden age the millennium yeah. where righteousness and peace reign and then after that after we've christianized the globe then Jesus returns and ushers in yeah. resurrection judgment heaven and hell yeah essentially yep yeah. okay do we want to do we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors yeah no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that only happens at episode 100. So um, let's talk about pre. That's where I was going to go. Millennialism. That's a good idea. And here's what's interesting: pre-millennialism, I would say, is probably the most popular view, but it's also the 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 most newest view. Oh, okay. Which is really fascinating. So I wrote down a few timeline things. So most likely, if you're a, a follower of Jesus, oh, I'm saying most likely over the age of 50. You are a premillennialist, most likely, because this is by and large in the last hundred years. This has been the view. Is it a Western view mostly? Or uh, is it- yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, but it's a view that most like holds on to the idea of we read the Bible literally. Okay. And views like postmillennialism and amillennialism were seen in the last hundred years as that's liberal. Hmm. You don't actually believe the Bible, hmm. which I that drives me batty, and yeah. <laughs> it's such a stupid argument. But premillennialism, it's this, and it's, and I got to be careful with terms. I don't want to confuse people. And it's very closely tied with a concept called dispensationalism. 
but it's a system of basically interpreting the Bible that actually began with the Plymouth Brethren hmm. in the early 19th century. So I guess 200 years, you know, kind of the 1800s, basically. Yeah. But then it was made very, very, very popular by a guy named C.I. Schofield in 1909, who wrote a uh, the Schofield Reference Bible? And I bet you anything, some of our listeners probably have, have one, one of those. Yeah, not impossible. But the uh, the Schofield Reference Bible really pushed this narrative of dispensational premillennialism, and I'll get into dispensationalism in a second. Then there was a book in 1970 written called "The Late Great Planet Earth" by Hal Lindsey. Some of you listening might have read that, and that kind was the precursor to the Left Behind series. Okay. By Tim LaHaye and um, so this would be the view that has the rapture in it. Yes. Okay. So many of you hold a view that is almost identical to the Left Behind series, Uh, and that's kind of you know the classic view of premillennialism. I just have one scene because I saw one of the movies. I don't remember which one. There's two scenes that I can remember. There's one where he uh, saw a limo getting blown up and it had the president in it. I have no idea the context of that scene. (laughs) I just remember watching a limo blow up as a kid. And then there's one scene where he's like walking in this like underground, dark, poorly lit, like refuge hospital type thing. Those are the only two (laughs) scenes from Left Behind that I remember. So I'm just, yeah. I, I hear you. I'm just trying to flip to this because I want to define. So the definition that, that – because my Bible here that I have in front of me has a definition for each one of these or like a, a setting for each one of these. Yeah. For premillennialism, it says the current age between Christ's first and second comings will end when he returns to inaugurate a literal 1,000-year rule on earth with his holy people, after which Christ will execute the final judgment and inaugurate his eternal kingdom. Yes. So I wanted to, uh, before you said that, I wanted to quickly quote The Simpsons. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> we talk about Left Behind. Yep. And I remember one time they made fun of it. It was a movie that's coming out called Left Below. <laughs> and it's like these two people in a limo and all of a sudden the, the limo starts swerving and they're like, what, what happened? happened to our Christian limo driver? And Because he was raptured. Yeah. And they're like, don't you realize we've been left, left below? below. <laughs> Okay, so I, you're right in that definition. That's great. But I want to back up like a step. Okay. Because dispensationalism really plays into this view. And dispensationalism is the idea that God deals with people based on different dispensations. What through, does that mean, Andrew? So it's like different eras. So I'm going to, I'm just trying to, okay, so um, different distinct periods or eras on which are unfolding the purpose of God and his relationship to mankind. They all dispensationalists recognize it at least three, the period before Pentecost, the period between Pentecost and the return of Christ and the period between the return of Christ and the eternal state. So what, you know, we, we talk about, Hmm. yeah, there's two covenants, right? God made the old covenant. Yeah. And then God made the the new covenant in Jesus. Yeah. And it's almost as if dispensationalists are like, yeah, but, but, God's, wait, there's but more. God's covenant with Israel is still in play. Hmm. Literally. Yeah. Land, riches, literally. God can't break that covenant. It wasn't a spiritual covenant. And so what hmm. they'll say is God dealt in that dispensation with Israel God's dealing with the church in this present age, and the millennium is God, for lack of a better term, finishing up stuff with Israel. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So it's like, and I've heard it described this way, it's like God had his covenant with Israel that can never be broken. It's an eternal covenant. It's kind of on pause right now, right? And God's dealing with Gentiles and the church and then the millennium is God dealing with Israel again. Hmm. Is that clear? Yeah, yeah. To a certain extent. So then pre-millennialism, and again, we could go down so many rabbit trails yeah, we, yeah. for different kind of nuances, but by and large, pre-millennialism looks at the book of Revelation and says, this is a chronological timeline yeah. of the events of the last seven so, years on so earth. In really layman terms, if you've read... Revelation. I just want to make sure that we clarify for the yep. read or for the readers for the audience. For the re- yeah. Uh, so what you're saying is that they would believe, in essence, 
that every time John in Revelation says, and then I heard, or and then I yes. saw, that that marks the chronological yes. events of things taking place. Yes. So meaning a, a literal timeline is yeah. presented in Revelation. Yep. So um, here, we'll just do one step further here. So when you read Revelation, you get to chapter six, seven seals are open. Yep. So they would go, those are in order. Jesus literally opens seal one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Which seal are we on now? Uh, you laugh. My brother-in-law told me we're on seal two. Okay. Which Okay. So uh, then if you get to chapter eight, then there's seven trumpets that are blown. And uh, a premillennial kind of literal view of Revelation is that that literally comes after the seven seals are opened. Now God is going to begin to blow these seven trumpets. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, then I'm kind of, I'm jumping around here. Yeah. Yep. Right. Uh, then you, then you get to the beast, the woman, in chapter 13, basically uh, not the woman and the dragon, the first beast. Yeah. And so they would go, okay, this is so seal one through six yeah. trumpet one through or seal one through seven trumpet one through seven. Then and the beast comes literally after yep. those things. And this is the antichrist. And then the second beast comes. Yeah. So, and we're, again, we could spend hours. So yeah, the, the <laughs> antichrist, the mark of the beast, right? Six, six, six. Yeah. And then it's, um, then the seven angels with seven plagues. plagues. So that'd be chapter 15. So the seven bowls of God's wrath that literally comes afterwards. And then, you know, Jesus comes back. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's it's like a very straightforward, we're just going to read it this literally, happens, which this I say, happens. yeah, exactly. So here's hmm. the order of things in a premillennial kind of view. So God needs to deal with Israel, right? Yeah. So the church is raptured. Okay. So that, that'd so be the Gentiles, Stay with right? me. Yes, the Gentiles. Okay. So they believe that Genesis 1 through 3... Genesis, my gosh. Revelation? Revelation 1 through 3 is describing the church, the seven letters to the churches. Okay. Right? And then the church is raptured out. Okay. So that, and they would quote, I know this is this can be confusing, but stay with me. They quote 1 Thessalonians. I, I always, do you have certain books of the Bible that you skip past? Always have a hard time yes. finding? Thessalonians is one of those for me. Nah. I'm like, where is Thessalonians? So Thessalonians chapter 4, they would say this is the banner passage that they believe describes the rapture. Um, it says, um, uh, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, so the church, okay. who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. So that's kind of viewed as, hmm. ah, okay, see, it's like this, this coming of Jesus, but not the second coming. It's the coming of Jesus where he kind of like vacuums all the Christians out. We meet him in the air and then we're we're not on earth anymore. All the Christians are gone. Now, except for a few that get left behind. Left below. <laughs> I think that's a terrible reading of 1 Thessalonians 4. Mm-hmm. I think 1 Thessalonians 4 is describing the second coming of Jesus and we're caught up yeah, we meet him in the sky, but it doesn't say that we we don't come back Back to earth and the language that is being used here is the language of any kind of king who would a conquering king who would approach a city everyone in the city would rush out to meet the conquering king and then they would come back into the city together that's the language that's being used it's not like Mm. we're not being raptured but that is the view okay so here we go stay with me i'm with you so the rapture happens. All yep. the Christians are sucked out. All of them, or do some actually get left behind no. in this view? The people who are left behind are unbelievers. Okay. Because they didn't believe. You're now left behind. And then, uh, again, people can be, well, when exactly does the rapture happen? Is it before the seven years? Is it is it in the middle of the seven years? Or is it after the seven years? Mm-hmm. And to me, pick you can pick what you want. I think it's all nonsense. <laughs> that's, that's fair. So the rapture happens. And then it's like this literal reading of Revelation. So okay. think about that. The church is not around for Revelation, yeah. essentially, depending yeah. on your view. And then it's like a 
you know, a literal, this revelation describes the last seven years on earth. Yeah. Right. And then the beast is a literal person, an antichrist. And then the mark of the beast is a literal What thing about the that second you, beast? The, that you put, the, I think the first beast is Satan and the second beast is the antichrist. That's their view. Aren't they the same thing? No. Uh, in in Satan is view, antichrist. Yeah. So. But I think they would say that Satan is the first beast, but then he kind of rises up this antichrist that he works through. Oh, okay. And it's a literal person. Okay. Right? And then, you know, the mark of the beast is literally on your forehead or it's on, and that's why people freaked out about the vaccine. They're putting yeah. a chip in us and, oh no. And, yeah. and then they freaked out even more when they went, oh, we can't, we're, we're not going to be able to go to grocery stores or go to my job because of the COVID vaccine. <gasps> and that's just like in chapter 13 where it says yeah. you can't buy food if you don't have the mark. And it's like, yeah. okay, take a deep breath, everybody. Um, and then it's this idea that Jesus comes back a first time and establishes a thousand year reign on earth. Okay. This is not his second coming. Yeah. This is, this is Jesus kind of comes back and then there's a literal thousand year reign where he has locked where up Jesus, the beast. Yeah. And where Jesus is here on earth, reigning for a thousand years, and it's with the nation of Israel, kind of ruling and reigning. And so that's that's where people can go, see, check, God fulfilled his uh, literal covenant with Israel. Yeah. Because they get the land, they get riches, they get to rule and reign. Yeah. Okay. And then after the thousand year reign... So you can see why I'm not a premillennialist. This is so stupidly confusing. <laughs> it's very confusing. After the thousand-year reign, then Satan is released. And he can deceive the nations we again. We get this last kind of battle Armageddon. Satan is once and for all overthrown. And again. then the judgment happens, the resurrection happens, and heaven and earth, and we got eternity. Hmm. So let me, let me summarize really, really fast. <laughs> Because yeah, it is. Good luck. So rapture happens, okay. right? Church sucked yep. out. Then there's a literal seven-year tribulation. Where it's hard. Where it gets really, really hard and really, really bad. And there's a literal antichrist who kind of deceives everybody and then makes it even worse for everybody. Then Jesus comes back a first time, binds Satan, rules for a thousand years, and it's this beautiful golden age yeah. ruling. After the a thousand years, Satan is released big battle of Armageddon, Jesus wins, and um, the resurrection happens. And then the new heaven, heaven and hell, new earth. New heaven, earth, and eternity. Okay. So it, basically, it's just a, we're going to le- read the, bio, the re- book of Revelation as literally as we can, and chronological, and in my opinion, not care that it's apocalyptic ancient literature, and we're just going to read it straight forward. Yeah, yeah it's... Man, it's an interesting view. I so I can I, see where it would appeal to someone in the sense of it if you can read the literal read it as literal events happening on a timeline, I can see the appeal to that because it would be easy to decipher in the sense of like on a read through. But then you have to put in the work of trying to figure out which event is taking place when. Right, like which seal is being opened, depending on which world event is happening, which bowl is being poured out, depending on which. Yeah. Who is the beast? What is the mark? All these things. Yeah. It. I think for me, it ends up leaving with more questions than it does answers. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, and yep. I don't think that that would have been. I don't think that's beneficial to your walk as a Christian if you're left wondering about all of these things instead of just trusting that Jesus is going to return. So yep. we should make sure we're prepared. Yeah, I think what it is, it's taking like a North American worldview and saying, that's what John meant. So, and so it's like, is this the view that would have driven like all of the, uh, oh, what was it? Was it the Spanish Inquisition where they were like, we're Christians and we're Christianizing the world, but they did a lot of horrible things. Was it that? No, I don't think so. I don't think this view would. Would have played into that? No. no. But here's, yeah, I agree with you that it can be appealing. Or I meant that, I meant with post-millennial. Uh, maybe. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to look. I'm not, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, the be. idea of like conquering could be. But the, uh, the pre-millennial view, I can see the, the appeal to it. Because, yeah, I read my newspaper. Yeah. And then I go, oh, it's unfolding in front of me. Yeah. Um, and that's what, we, that's what we've seen in the last two years. Yep. 
people going, oh, one world government, oh, the mark of the beast. And now uh, with Russia invading Ukraine, I have seen many Christians going, well, yeah. look at this and piecing it all together. Yeah. So I think the appeal to it is like, you get kind of wrapped up in it. I'm living through the end times. Yeah. Uh, listen, every generation since Jesus left has thought, thought they were, they the were living times. in the end times. Think of how many like emperors tried conquering different lands yep. and tried to make it all of theirs yep. for a quote unquote one world yep. government. Totally. Right. So the 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 issues I have with this view is that the Book of Revelation, apocalyptic ancient literature, is not meant to be read chronologically. It just isn't. Yeah. And it's actually really arrogant for North American Christians to go, yeah, the book of Revelation had nothing to do with anyone else except us. Now. Yeah. In this exact time. So I'm like, so John writing to the churches, he's he why on earth would he write to the churches that he's pastoring going, Yeah, this has nothing to do with you. But Putin like, yeah. you know that guy Putin that's right? going to happen 2,000 years from now? <laughs> yeah. So like, it, it's a really weak view, in my opinion. Also, and it cracks me up that many premillennialists are like, well, we're just reading the Bible literally. literally. No, you're not. Because you read about scorpions and, and beasts and things, and you're going, well, it's an Apache helicopter. Then you're not reading the Bible that's not literally. literally. That's then. not literal. That's yeah. metaphorical. Yeah. <laughs> and the issue with that is that when you read the book of Revelation chronologically, Jesus returns like five times. Yeah. Because it's not meant to for be For the read. first time. For the first time. It's yeah. like at the end of the seals, it's kind of like, it seems like it's over. Oh, and no, I know wait. he is God and he can do what he wants, but like that just doesn't... Well, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit what he's done in the past. Yeah. So I think it's a, a weak... I am not a pre-millennialist. I just think it's a really weak yeah. view, but I get the appeal behind it. Yeah. Is that many of you... Uh, I well, I don't know. Some of you listening were probably raised. I was raised kind of thinking that okay, the yeah. left behind is how it ends. The rapture happens. I really hope I don't. I I hope I'm a real Christian and I get raptured. Yep. And you kind of live with this fear, and then you're like, okay, and then it's seven yep. literal years, and who's the antichrist going to be? And I heard all what is the Oprah. mark of the beast? All I heard these. that Oprah was, and then I heard Obama was the antichrist, and then, yeah. and it's just like we're trying to. I I think this guy in Kingdom Come, or maybe someone else said it's like we're trying to p play pin the tail on the antichrist yeah trying to figure which, out which is so interesting because even if you go back to first john john talks about antichrist being among us yeah right and and so the description is anyone who is not professing the kingdom of god anyone yep. who is not for christ is then an obviously anti Christ. Yes. Right? And he says that there's been many antichrists yeah. in First John. So, and actually, the word antichrist is never once used in the book of Revelation, which yeah. cracks me up. Yep. It's never once mentioned. So, so to, <laughs> like, is, is in the metaphorical language of Revelation, the beast, an antichrist? Absolutely. Because sure. they're not, in, in the way it's written, we can see it is not for the kingdom of God. Yes. It would be against. So, yes, antichrist. But to try... Yeah, I think I think it's a fool's errand to try and pin the tail on on that because, I mean, if yeah, yeah. I, I, Christ well, returns at the end. So yes, yeah, and so I guess okay. So post millennial, let's just review. All right, post millennial. What do you got? Jesus comes after the world has been Christianized, and yes. we have this golden age, and then. New heaven, new earth, yes. heaven and hell, judgment all happen within a sequence. I know I didn't list them off in the sequence, <laughs> but those are the three things that happen after Christ yeah. returns. And so premillennial is is the thousand year reign is after Christ returns. Yes. Yeah. But, so so all these terrible things happen. Jesus returns, establishes this thousand year reign, and then after that Then he lets the judgment. devil out to yeah, judgment, heaven, hell, eternity, basically. So those are the two views so far. And as you can probably tell, I, I think there's, I don't believe either of those views. So the last view is ah, ah, millennial. The best way to remember this is that uh, you, so actually explain the view quick and then I can explain why yeah. it's a good. So ah, millennial, and it's, I, I actually don't like um, uh, the, that phrase because the way it's it's worded and I've had conversations with people. You're an all millennialist. You don't believe in a millennium. It's like that's not what it. That's not what I said at all. One guy I read said he calls it. It's uh, I believe in a realized millennium. 
So, but whatever. Words are... Realized in the sense that it's we happening would be right living now. through it. Yeah. So, uh, the amillennial view is, is that when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he established his kingdom. And the a thousand year reign is not a literal thousand years. It's just describing the time between Jesus ascending into heaven and when he comes back. He mm-hmm. is ruling and reigning. Right now. And, and they would say, you know, Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. You know, it's a spiritual kingdom. Yeah. And so their, their view, or I should say my view, because I, I hold to this view, is that Revelation 20 is not describing some future literal thousand years. It's describing the present age. Jesus is ruling and reigning. He's yeah. on his throne and his kingdom is advancing and believers were living in this kingdom yeah. right now. And, and so another passage that all millennials, at least that I've heard, turn to to, to help prop this idea up is uh, in Matthew 28, where he gives a great commission because Jesus says, all authority in yeah. heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. But it's that all authority yeah. on heaven and in earth, or in heaven and on earth. So yeah, part. so what they'll say is, you know, Revelation 20, when it says, because people will go, well, wait a second, Revelation 20 talks about Satan being bound. Yep. Well, we know that Satan's not, he's still doing stuff in the world. And yep. I would go, yeah, but look at, Look at specifically why Satan or how Satan is bound. It says he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, threw him into the pit, and shut it and sealed it over him. Here's why. So that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years are ended. And so all millennialists will say, yeah, Satan is bound. Mm-hmm. But we don't we don't have to think that it's a literal physical pit that he's in. Yeah. Because that doesn't make any sense. He's been bound in so far as he can't deceive the nations any longer. Yeah. Meaning people can hear the gospel and their eyes are open and they go, oh. and it talks about even Paul talks about the God of this age has blinded them. Well, yeah. all millennials will say, Well, now Satan's been kind of restrained so that people hear the gospel and they go, I believe, right? Yeah. So it's not mm-hmm. a literal physical binding. It's like this restraining of Satan so that the gospel can go forward in yeah. in the church age, in this present age. So so the idea of all millennialism, one of the things I like about it is that it's just very simple. And that doesn't mean that it's right, but mm-hmm. I like that it's simple. Yeah. So Jesus comes, he inaugurates the kingdom through his death resurrection, he ascends to heaven, and now he is ruling and reigning over a spiritual kingdom for quote, a thousand years, however long that is. Yeah. And then the book of Revelation then is describing every generation. It it uses something... Past, present, and future. Yes. And so the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, uh, yes, there's... uh, So there's movement towards the end. So what I mean is that, yes, it's going to get progressively worse... Yeah, but the book of Revelation uses something called recapitulation, which is like that's a, a big word. It, it basically it, what it means is that you go forward, and then the book of Revelation doubles back on itself to to say the same thing in a different yep. way. Yep. Right. So I think the the seals, trumpets, and bowls are all describing the same thing, just from yeah. a different vantage point. Yeah. Right. And it's yep. God's judgment throughout history. Yep. On, and if you look, they actually do resemble each one of the things that is poured out of the bowl. And, and I believe it's even the stuff that comes out of the trumpets being blown resemble the plagues back in Egypt. Oh, yeah, and totally. if you remember, Pharaoh hardened his heart when the plagues were happening, right? Yeah. And so I, I think it's meant to, to let the reader look back and say, oh, remember what happened in Egypt? Well, our time looks like that too, where when, when God's judgment is proclaimed on the nations through, through consequence of, of sin and stuff like mm-hmm. that, they harden their heart. Even if God does send things, they harden their heart. Um, and yet the gospel is proclaimed and the gospel does break yeah. through, right? Because of that restraining of the devil or the beast. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I think it was Tim Mackey who said that the book of Revelation is like all 10 plagues in a blender. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's just craziness, yeah. right? So, I, I think an, uh, an all millennial view of the book of Revelation is that we don't read it literally and i gotta be really careful because that doesn't mean that it's not the word of god explain it's it's symbolism yeah it's metaphor it's 
And that's what apocalyptic literature is. When I read that, oh, okay, that, you know, Jesus is on his throne and he's a lamb and he has seven eyes and he has seven horns, no one in their right mind should say, Jesus literally has seven eyes and seven horns. We would go, no, he's not some grotesque figure. Those yeah. are symbols. Yeah. What is? What do eyes symbolize? Seeing, knowledge, wisdom. Yeah. He has, and seven is a number that represents a perfection. Ca- perfection. Yeah. So when when John sees and he writes down a vision of Jesus with seven eyes, he's not saying, "Trust me, guys." Jesus literally has seven eyes. He's saying, well, who is Jesus? He is all-knowing. Yeah. He is all-seeing. He has perfect wisdom. Seven horns. Horns represent strength and power. He has yeah. all strength, yeah. all power. It's a way to describe those things. Yeah. So all millennialists and, and myself, we would view any time the, uh, the book of Revelation uses a number, it's not literal. It's yeah. just not. So the hundred and what is it, 40,000, 44,000 or yeah, something like that? it's not, not literally 144,000. Because yeah. you look at what's 144,000? 12 times 12 times 10. To, and yep. th- there's symbolism behind it. Yeah. So for me, when I when I discovered the amillennial view, it was like a light bulb went off and I went, oh my goodness, the book of Revelation is amazing. Yeah. It's not, it's not, I don't want to sound arrogant, there's, it's not confusing. Yeah. It's not scary. Yeah. It's like this is unbelievably encouraging to believers. And I think that's why John wrote it to the churches. Yeah. Right? So uh, so I don't think there's a literal antichrist. I think there's been many. Right? Was, so, so you wouldn't actually think there will be a literal antichrist? Now, and and I've gone back and forth. Will, it's because someone said like... Well, logically, won't there be one last one before Jesus comes back? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I guess. Right? But yeah. was Nero an antichrist? As Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was Nero the beast? Totally. Yeah. Was Hitler a beast? Absolutely. There's yeah. been many beasts throughout yeah. history. Yeah. Because the book of Revelation is meant to encourage believers in every generation. Yeah. It's like John, it's like God is saying, guaranteed there will be a beast in your lifetime. Yeah. Don't give in to it's, him. It's like a recycling. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, yep. I like what you said. It's like a recycling of old prophetic yes, uh, totally. uh, language and imagery yeah. to encourage the reader, like I said, to to look and say, hey, we are living in a time where there are people trying to deceive us. Yep. Hold fast to that totally. faith and hope that you have in Christ. Do not swear allegiance to them by gaining the mark. And even if you look at, at the mark of the beast... Um, on, on like a, a I want to say practical. I don't know if that's a great word to use, but the in in Hebrew, the letter six 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 can spell out the name Nero sure. just with the characters because Hebrew numbers and letters are the I think same. You mean Greek, right? Because well, maybe it was Greek. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, yeah. same difference. Yeah. Sure. Um, the ancient language. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, if you look at the placement of being on the forehead or the hand, that's exactly where the Israelites placed the yeah. words of the Shema so that they would be reminded and and consistently be reminded that they serve well, God. Well, even in Revelation, right? God marks believers yep. on the forehead. Yep. So it's this, it's basically Revelation is saying there's two kingdoms and who are you going to be a part of? Which God's kingdom, kingdom do you serve? Or the beast's kingdom, essentially. Yeah. And then you you look even historically, because you look at the beast, and what does the beast do? He persecutes believers. I should say he or she, whatever. He yeah. persecutes believers. Yeah. Uh, he demands worship of himself. Yeah. Or else you can't buy, sell, and you'll die. And you look at the time where when John is writing this, there were different trade guilds. So if you're a, a blacksmith, you join a trade guild so that you can actually do business. Yep. And you know what one of the requirements to join the trade guild was? Worship Caesar. And that's the mark of the beast. Yeah. And so Christians would go, I can't I can't do business so, because I don't worship Caesar. I only Jesus is Lord. So then in an all millennial view of the mark of the beast, it would be a heart issue instead yes. of a tattoo or yeah, a or, marking so, or a yeah, or, or like, like you know, that. I I told someone so you want to talk about COVID, right? Because everyone was like, Oh, the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Yeah. Wrong. If Bonnie Henry said um Swear allegiance to me and me alone. As you get the shot, you can you can get the shot. If you swear allegiance to me, 
or if you bow the knee to the government of BC. Yeah. That's much different than like, please just get the shot because, you know, and regard, I don't want to get into like overreach and yep. blah, 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 blah. Yep. But throughout history, there has been governments that do that over and over and over. And that doesn't you mean get that it's... this perk if you swear allegiance to us. And Christians yeah. throughout history have gone, no, Jesus is Lord. Think about China. Yeah. Okay. You can be a church as long as you also swear allegiance to the emperor. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Because that's the mark of the beast. It's a yeah. heart issue, right? Yeah. So, anyways, I, man. I, I do think this is the strongest view. Um, and and I do, I like what you said about it being easy, but I think that that can sound like a cop-out sure. to, to certain people, right? I can, I can think of some people saying, well, we shouldn't just believe something because it's easy. Yeah. I think one of the big things biblical authors do is repeated language and imagery to get us to remember certain things. Like I've said many times already, even today. Um, so to me, it makes very little sense to have John randomly at the end of the Bible, not repeat those patterns uh-huh. as a reminder and for us does. to did follow. You, did you know that the book of revelation is the one book in the new Testament that quotes the old Testament the most? I didn't know that, but the I'm most. not surprised. Quotes it and also just references it with imagery to it yeah. more than any other book in the New Testament. So, so to me, it just it when you take a view like postmillennialism or premillennialism, it it strays so far from the imagery that we see in the rest of the Bible. Yeah, that if to me it seems as though the that that would take an inconsistent reading then, where you read all of Scripture one way. Until the, and then you get to Revelation and you say, but actually this is what's going to yeah, happen. It, yeah. To me, that makes very little logical sense. It would make more sense, like I said earlier, it would be a reminder to, hey, you, the nations will do things like this. Yeah. You know, when the nations are destroyed, people will say things like this, right? Yeah. These are the types of things you can look and, and know that this is going to happen before Christ returns. Yeah. But as a follower in Christ... Stay steadfast in your love for him. He is coming soon, so be prepared. Yeah. Right? And and continue to preach Christ crucified. Yeah. To me, that makes way more sense on a practical level of reading the Bible. It's it's maybe not about simplicity as much as it is continuity. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. Saying that it's the simplest view makes it sound exactly what you said. Well, it's easy, so I'll just do that one. I, I think all millennialism and that view of revelation is actually the most faithful to yeah. the cultural context yeah. and the literary style of Revelation. It's yeah. not me taking my North American worldview yeah. and laying it over the scripture and then going, ah, Apache helicopters, ah, Russia, ah, the, the COVID vaccine. Yeah. It's just me going, okay, I'm a, I'm a first century Jewish Christian. How would I read this? Yeah. And then go, and it's also the word of God. So how... Yeah. Like, it, the book of Revelation makes no sense then if you're a Christian that's living in 900 AD. Yeah. Then you might, it means nothing to you then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I think all millennialism is, to me, it's the, it, it makes the most sense. Yeah. And it, and it takes the book of Revelation in its literary and ancient style and, it just goes, okay, this is a book to encourage believers in every generation. Yep. And the theme of Revelation is Jesus wins and don't give in. Yep. Even to death. Yep. Don't give in to the beast. Yeah. Right? So that was that was a breath. big one. Okay, so I will say this though to end. Like again, uh, I don't think postmillennialism and premillennialism are, are really solid views, but Oh, if someone in it came to me in the church and was like, I'm yeah. a premillennialist, God bless you. Yeah. I don't think any less of you. Maybe let's talk about it. Sure. And it's, it's good not. to have a a, a view, right? Yeah. And like I said, there's really smart people who are postmillennialists and premillennialists and amillennialists. Yeah. So it's and not, all believe that Christ was crucified for their sins yes. as a substitutionary. And that's the main thing. Atonement. Every view says Jesus wins and he's coming back. Yeah. So that's important. Yep. It's just Absolutely. how and when. <laughs> yep. So I, I can I can break bread with a postmillennialist and a premillennialist and I, yep. because we all agree the same thing. Jesus yep. is God, he's coming back, and we yes. need to be ready for Amen him. Amen to that. So hopefully that helps. And again, if that's kind of like I love talking about this kind of stuff because I just find it really interesting. Yeah. So if you want to uh, do like a chapter by chapter look through Revelation. 
um, go to npmbchurch.com and under sermons, it's under the sermon page and you'll scroll down and you'll see like Wednesday nights, the book of Revelation. And I think there's 19 or 20 weeks and you can either listen to it or you can watch it on YouTube. Um, I I would suggest if you are going, yeah, man, the all-millennial kind of view is ringing some bells with me. Uh, Kingdom Come by Sam Storms is a great book. Uh, fantastic book. This really helped me as I was starting to like, oh, I wonder. It's dense. Like, it's 600 pages. Yeah. And I had to reread some pages a lot being like, what on earth? Yeah. But it really helped. Yeah. So. And then the other thing, too, and this goes for me, too. I'm I'm preaching to myself and to everybody, I guess, in this. Try reading Revelation with each one of those views and sure. see yeah. which one makes the most sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it, it, like, even like I said, in the... I haven't read through all of Revelation, but in the reading that I have done, the all-millennial view by far makes the most sense. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. So. Okay. Well, hopefully that's been helpful and not just confusing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, again, if you have more questions or if you're like, can you just clarify something, please email us or message us or something and we'll do our best. Or if you have other topics that you're like, hey, can you guys talk about this let us know because we enjoy doing that so sure do thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week bye